Sylvester McNutt. I was secretly so nervous to talk to you today because, okay. because you're you and you hold so much wisdom and you help so many people. Mm -hmm. And please let that land because I, I don't know if it's possible for you to hear it enough. Um, probably not. Probably not. So just thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. Of course. So this is called Altered Podcast, A-L-T-A-R, like an Ooh. altar where we pray or an altar where we like oh. kind of have a life-changing event. It's all like about that. shifts and, and changes. Um, I, I've had the fine privilege of annihilating your book in like two days. I see the tabs. You see the tabs. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see this. Everything is tabbed. Um, and you talk about so many moments of alteration for you, so many moments of like a holy shift, if you will. Mm -hmm. And just because you're you and we're just going to go right to it, I'd love to hear about your relationship to pain mm -hmm. and how that has shifted you and what that has taught you and any advice or any wisdom you have for people that are going through a tough moment. It is madly ironic that you would start there because mm -hmm. as I was driving over here, I was mm -hmm. thinking you were going to ask me something <laughs> related to like the concept of pain. Yeah. And then that's where we start. Mm. Um, so he's intuitive as well. I haven't, I was, I was thinking this as I was like on the ride over here, mm -hmm. like, I really haven't felt uh, real pain in a long time. Like the pain I, I experience week to week now is like, like I was telling you before we mm -hmm. got on, on the, on the show is like, my fantasy football team lose. Like that's the type of pain I'm experiencing now, you know? So right. it's like, you know, if that's the worst pain you have, then, you know, you have a pretty good life. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't really start that way. So as far as like my history or background or story is concerned, you know, like my parents were together when I was born. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was like a loving household. They were flirting with each other. There was fun. We would go on adventures. We would go on trips. Like as far as like, family dynamics and family systems is concerned it was like ideal it was great two-parent household nice and then it took um like it just took like a massive shift uh right around when i was about eight or nine mm. and i don't know the exact like incident if there was one and I, and I don't i don't know like how long it was building up because that was their relationship mm -hmm. and, you know parents in, in that age, they just, in that era, they just, they're not sharing what's going on. You For know, sure. you have to, as an adult, try to find out and do the work. Um, and what ended up happening was they went from these like loving, caring, present um, teachers, like both of my parents were teachers in the way that they wow. would show up in the world. Like they were both smart. Mm. Um, and then it turned to like, like cold, violent, aggressive, abusive dark um avoidant uh no love mm -hmm. and i'm like well no well this is strange mm -hmm. like one through eight perfection mm -hmm. eight through 13 like deep demonic dangerous and i'm like by the time i got to 14 i'm like well damn this is a mm -hmm. like this is pain yeah. like how did this happen like how did it happen where like i have to go to school to feel like a reprieve from the danger I'm feeling at home from like this lack of safety. Mm -hmm. And that's the number one place you're supposed to be safe in. So, I mean, that was like my origin um, with like the deepest pain I had to deal with was, you know, the, the family shift. And, um, and then I, I dealt with a lot of physical pain too, 
but I chose that because I chose to play football. Mm. And so there was like this journey of uh, Pee Wee high school, uh, college, and then arena football for a few years where like my vocation and my, my passion was like really pain, mm -hmm. not only like inflicting it, but taking it as well. For sure. And it's, but the thing is, is like when you're playing a sport, you don't think of it that way. You don't think of it as like, man, I'm choosing a violent sport because it's just, it's just fun. Right. You know, so yeah, that, that would be my, my genesis of pain. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think you asked me, what would I say for someone going through? Mm -hmm. Well, what type of pain? We need to be more specific. Yeah. Let's say, let's go with emotional pain. Because mm. I think that lives in so many of us. Yeah. Well, I would say that, I mean, it just depends. Like, there's so many elements. So, like, the first thing I think of is, like, the environment. You know, like, what is the environment around you? What's going on? Like, Tupac has that line where he, he talks about, like, the rose that grew from the concrete. Mm -hmm. Like, something beautiful that grew out of, like, the darkness. Mm -hmm. But the, the truth is, is, like, environment is key for a lot of things. Like, you know, on plants, like, there's plants here. and mm -hmm. You need water. You need sunlight. You need, you know, good energy. You need whatever the elements are to make that plant thrive. Like, we're the same way. Mm -hmm. There are elements that we need. And most people have similar elements like we need some love we need good nutrition we need some type of exercise mm -hmm. we need some type of outlet you know whether it's a sport or an art like writing singing dancing uh we need some type of hobby you know that has nothing to do with making money or like how the world perceives you um and i just think honing your environment will help you you know mm. so if you're dealing with some type of like whatever pain first thing i'm gonna ask you to do is like go for a walk and commit to that like go for a walk move your body uh without the phone like don't do the walk looking down at the phone you know if you want to put a playlist on or something that's cool if you want to do a podcast cool or, but just go for a walk with yourself mm -hmm. you know if you believe in god go for a walk with god talk mm -hmm. to god talk to your ancestors mm -hmm. like just go for a walk going for a walk 30 minutes it'll clear your head mm -hmm. it clears so much of that like emotional pain emotional pain is often like um, in Ayurvedic or in Eastern philosophies, they'll talk about like stagnation, mm -hmm. you know, and like is the energy not in our body not moving. Right. So a lot of the times you can move it through physical movement. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing you can do is journal. If you're dealing with emotional pain, you can journal, you can mm -hmm. write about it. You know, emotional pain is like really just an abundance of emotions that haven't been seen, that haven't been expressed. And, and you know, write it down, mm -hmm. write it about, just write about it freely. Oh, well, I don't know how to write. It's like, you don't need to know how. Right. Nobody knows how. You just do It's something you just do. Right. Uh, I was no one there. needs to read it either. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to share it. You yeah. don't have to share it. Just open a notebook and say, at the top, how do I feel? And just write to that. How do I feel about the present, the future, the past, what's, what, anything, and just write. Mm -hmm. That'll help you. That, like, that's something practical that's free. Um, another thing that'll help you, too, is, <clears throat> excuse me, is... Um, if you have the ability to go to the ocean mm -hmm. and sit with that, you can you can do the ocean. If you live like in the middle of a country, go for a walk in nature. Mm. You know, try to get out of the the city environment and try mm. to get to some somewhere calmer. Uh, try to get to some nature. Okay. Um, another thing that really helps with obviously um, talk therapy works for some people. For sure, talk therapy doesn't work for everybody. So one thing you can do to get rid of that emotion is to sweat. Mm. So go get in the sauna. Go for a run. Go swim. Uh, lay out and tan, work on your band, just sweating can help you release that. And then another thing too is just like from a food perspective, try to make sure you're not 
eating your emotions with like a bunch of sugar because mm. that's just going to make your life work. You know, mm. try to avoid the best you can, like the added sugar, mm-hmm. the, the, the fake sugar. When you're going through something, like try, try okay. your best to avoid that. I would say those are like sound spaces to start starting. Mm. I love it. Yeah, it's so good to have like actual tools because often when like the proverbial shit hits the fan, we're like, I don't, I'm just stuck. Slash people mm-hmm. would like get buried in their phone. Yeah. And that's such a huge. Yeah, that phone won't help you. No, it won't. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we can read like your amazing writing on, mm-hmm. on the internet and we can connect kind of connect it's like not real intimacy though it's like not mm-hmm. real connection right. what would you say to people who are struggling with finding connection like connection to friends connection to lovers connection to each other yeah that's a tough one because we're in a generation where a lot of things are shifting mm-hmm. and where, like let's just say you go back 100 years no matter where you were in society it was more of a community-based experience like mm-hmm. There was no social media. There was no TV in some places, you know. Right. And now you have these. I, I saw this term the other day. I wish I would have wrote it down. But it was speaking to like maybe it was like quasi relationship. I think that might have been a term. But it was just speaking to like how people will like follow a streamer online mm-hmm. and they feel like they're in relationship with the streamer. Mm-hmm. And they're not. They're mm-hmm. not really in relationship with the streamer. Like I, I play this video game uh, called Warzone. Mm-hmm. And so I'm average. I'm a little above average, but I'm not like elite. So I'll watch the like elite players to try to pick up tips and tricks. I'm like, okay, he did. He played that way. Like, okay, I can, I can try to integrate that in what I'm doing. Yeah. And so like, there's a relationship there. Like he's giving me something. And, but for me, I don't believe in like fandom or like, uh, uh, like that's the way we look at like celebrities, like that doesn't register with me. So I just look at it as like, he's teaching me. He's like my teacher. But a lot of people are looking up to like a streamer or people yeah. online or celebrities. Um, you know, Taylor Swift. I see Taylor Swift like every day Everywhere. when I go on social media. So she's on the top of my brain. Like football players, uh, politicians. We look up to all these people. Yeah. And we have these like almost fake relationships with them. Where we're like obsessed. Where we're like watching their every move. Like, and it, it's, it's not helpful to us building connection in our real world. Like another thing, people will go out. Uh, to dates, to lunch, and they're on their phone. Right. Why? I could do this at home by myself. Right. Why am I sitting with you when, to me, this one of the most sacred things we can do is eat together. Right. And I'm about to be on my phone. You know, I'm not going to vilify if you go on there. You got to do it for some reason. You got a kid you got to check on. Right. Sure. But like to just sit on there for an entire 45 minute lunch. Right. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get that. Right. So I would say let's let's make sure we're not like obsessing about these fake relationships that we don't have like mm. with people who like don't even know we exist and they can right. care less about us. Right. Uh, nothing wrong with like loving what someone does, but like don't take it too far to the point of obsession because that's just a waste of your energy and time. Mm. Um, another thing is like I brought up the lunch, the food. Be intentional when you're with people. You know, a lot of people will be in relationships and they'll just be around each other but it's not intentional it's not like hey i want to see you i want to spend time with you right i want to talk to you like I, it's like a it's almost like a checklist like oh well my husband's off work how was your day right like no like let's be intentional about this mm-hmm. uh, i would also say to have some courage mm-hmm. because we we kind of just 
live in our bubbles. Oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I would say have courage and go speak to people that you don't know. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm about to go talk to that person right mm-hmm. there. But just like you're you're out somewhere, you're getting some coffee or you're getting lunch, like stop and take a minute to acknowledge the person that you're working with that's yeah. giving you your meal. Ask them how they're doing. And just those little uh, small talk conversations can help build a sense of community. Yeah. You know, like where I live, I have maybe four or five different shops where I don't know all the people that work there. Like personally, I'm not friends with them. But when I come in, they know what I'm about to order. We've talked. I've asked them about their life. I've asked them about their kids or their passions. Or I just at the most have said hi and it, like acknowledged them. Yeah. You know, so for me, it, like there's like a sense of community there where I'm like, oh, yeah, th- these are my these are my spots that I go to. Mm-hmm. Where I know someone at each little spot. I got a dinner spot, lunch spot. I got an acai bowl spot, coffee Ooh. spot. Like I know someone at each <laughs> of these places, you know, yeah. and that that'll give you like a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Now your grocery store, know the people at the grocery store. It, it, so I know some people shop at like multiple grocery stores. Sure. Okay, fine. But go to the same one if you can. Like if you go to like a Kroger, CVS. You heard it here. Go to the same one and you got to get to know those people. Well, Because you're literally, it's like you got to think about with your food, it's a transfer of energy. Oh, uh, the, whole, sure. the whole cycle is a transfer of energy, right? So <laughs> like if someone brings me food and they're mad, I won't even eat it. Right. I don't even want it. Like, nah, because you, you're putting energy on my food that yeah. does not need to be there. Yeah. So like even at the grocery store, no, you didn't, you know, you didn't get the food. You didn't harvest the food. Someone, the farmer did that. But when you're at the clerk, stop and get to know them. Mm. Acknowledge them. Thank them for, you know, it's always like a teenager at the end bagging because that's one of the, the first jobs for a teenager. For sure. Like, don't just be like, oh, thanks. And then go on your way. Stop and acknowledge them. They're at the beginning of their career. Yeah. Like we were all at that point, like acknowledge yes. them, thank them, you know, and I feel like intentionally building relationships that way mm-hmm. will build community. Now, another thing you can do, too, is don't be afraid to reach out to people. Mm. You've got to reach out to people that uh, you haven't talked to in a while, mm-hmm. people that you don't know. Just reach, you know, like uh, they call it cold calling. Mm. All right. It's like cold call someone that you haven't talked to in a while. Mm. You know, a lot of people will text and they'll say, hey, I'm thinking about you or I miss you or, you know, how are you doing? But think about the times that that's happened to you and that you've done that. How far has that thread actually went? How far has that conversation actually went? Mm-hmm. But you get on that phone and you call someone and you're like, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Let's talk. I'm like, how are you doing? What's going on? And you use your voice and use your listening mm-hmm. to develop that. The number one and number two most important things of all relationships is your ability to listen. Because listening creates safety. So totally. if I want to be more connected, I need to create a safe space for connection. Mm. So therefore, I need to be a good listener. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I'll say is you have to ask good questions. You know, you're, you're hosting a podcast, so you know. It's like you got to ask uh, in the discipline of communication. It's called an open-ended question. Mm. If you're just like, how's your day? It's like, oh, it's good or bad. That's a closed-ended question. Right. But that doesn't advance the conversation. Right. But if you were to say, like, mm, tell me about your day. Mm. Tell me about the best part of your day. Like, well, shoot, I went on a podcast earlier. We had some coffee. Mm. She had good questions. It's like, then I get to open up. Right. Right. So open-ended questions, um, ask great questions, and then be a great listener. On listening. I know you didn't ask, but I got to say I'm, this. And I'm listening. <laughs> On listening. One of the best ways to listen is to have a follow-up question. Mm. And so... What people will do is like, oh, 
I love coffee. And then the other person would be like, oh, I love coffee too. And that's a great way to bond. But a better way, a more efficient way to bond is like, oh, I love coffee. Tell me why you love coffee. Or you can say, I love coffee too. Tell me why you love it. Right. Tell me more about why you love it. It's like, oh, well, I love it. It's, it's like you, you go a layer deeper. Yeah. And then it's like, you're not making it about you. A lot of times we make it about ourselves. Mm. It's like, no, you, you have time to do that. You'll have plenty of time to make it about yourself. Share your story, share your ideas. But if you're just like, hey, let me focus on being a great listener. Let me focus on being a safe space. Let me focus on asking these open-ended questions. Yeah. All those things are going to come back to you as well. Yes. Yes. And that takes you deeper into connection. Mm, that's so, so good. I wonder if there's just like a, like, do you think it comes down to self-worth for some people too, as far as their willingness to connect? Like I know in times in my life, I've been afraid like even just reaching out to you, I was like, I'm nervous to reach out to you, you know, cause I'm like, you're you, but like, it's like a self-worth thing almost. Do you feel like that's true or? Yeah, it can be. But, but, but that's a lie. Just get out of that. Right. That's a lie. That's a lie that they, the marketers tell us, our family system tells us, society tells us mm. that's BS. Yeah. That's BS. Like we don't need to, to believe in that. Yes. Like who, who's to say that I'm less than or greater than anyone. Right. Or anyone else is less than or greater than me. That's this the society that creates that, and it's, that's fake. Right. That's not real. Like on a human level, we're all the same. We're all we all have flaws. We all have gifts. We all have blessings, and that's humanity. Mm, so good. You talk in your book about alignment mm-hmm. and like aligning with ourselves, aligning with our purpose. I'd mm-hmm. love if you could just talk to us a little bit about what alignment really means. Yeah. And then about purpose as well, because mm-hmm. it's such a huge part of all of our lives. And yet so many of us are not fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. I will say alignment really comes down to a few things. So let's just give an example. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time period in my life where I was a high school football player and I wanted to play college football. Mm-hmm. And so alignment for me was really doing the behaviors that was going to align me with my end goal. My end goal was I wanted to play college football. So that's going to the gym in the morning at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's running two or three miles every other day. That's mm-hmm. obviously going to practice. That's making sure I took care of my studies. I, I hated school, but, you know, you got to take care of school if you want to mm-hmm. be in school and be on the team. Um, that's making sure, like, for my lunch breaks, uh, junior and senior year at my high school, you could go off campus, you know, as an upperclassman. Mm-hmm. And so I would do that here and there, but for the most part, I would just go to the film room and I would just watch film and just study football, you know, because with football, people look at it and it's just like, oh, bigger, faster, stronger. They think it's just a physical game, but it's really not. It's like, I mean, that's a component of it, but it's really about, it's about angles. It's Mm -hmm. about understanding situation. It's a lot more psychology involved. And so like my mindset on it was if I study the game, I'll be smarter than other people Mm -hmm. that will make me a better player. That would give me a better opportunity to play in college. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would sacrifice my my off campus lunch to go sit in my film room and just study. Wow. You know, so those habits put me in alignment to reach my end goal, which was to play in college football. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I did it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think alignment, when I think of it, is like like in the book, I gave this analogy because I used to have this really crazy back pain. And anybody who works with like spine health knows, you know, you have these different vertebrae and um, you know, when it's in alignment and your muscles are strong around your spine, you often don't experience back pain. 
But, you know, if something's out of alignment, you sleep weird, you, you know, you're doing this, you're trying to pop it, you know, to get it back into alignment. Mm-hmm. And that's like the analogy I gave in the book. So good. Yeah. So I would say get clear on what you want or what you're trying to create or what you're trying to experience. And yeah. then from there, it's so much easier to get in alignment. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just say, oh, I'm going to get in alignment. Well, get in alignment for what? Right. You get in alignment with something. And mm-hmm. then... And then you go from there. Oh, and then you got to cut out the other stuff that doesn't. I wasn't going to parties. Right. And in high school, I had friends and teammates. They're drinking beers and taking. I'm like, no, I'm not doing any of that. Right. I can't do that because mm-mm, can't do that. I had people. I had a guy I went to high school with. He had a scholarship to Ohio State and blew it because he wanted to after high school. Uh, after high school ended, we had like a two hour break before we had to come back for our games. Mm-hmm. This dude we need to go have some drinks and he's drinking. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so you, you're coming back to the game and you're smelling like alcohol and you're 18. Right. Like that's not being in alignment with what you want to create. You blew, I mean, he blew away an opportunity that he earned rightfully. So, wow. but this is one of the great to go to Ohio state. That's like one of the most prestigious schools you can go to, especially as an athlete full ride scholarship completely blew it. No, it's no telling the two trajectories of his life. Right. Just by that one decision that was out of alignment. Isn't that wild that you can make a decision and go to the right or go to the left and have like a completely different human experience? I mean, this is the importance of aligning and staying aligned. How do we feel into like, whether it's in our mind or in our body, what, like, does alignment have like a feeling for you? Yeah. Get out of the mind. Like we don't need to be in the mind. Mind is here to play a trick on you. Mm. Because you have your creative brain, you have your analytical brain, who right. to say which one is the right one, we don't know. You got to get into the body. You got to mm. get into to the feeling it. Your body's going to tell you. Your intuition's going to tell you. You got to get into it. Now, sometimes the, the things that we want to do, there is a path that's already been laid out for us in mm. certain situations. You know, and so in those situations, you, you go find a teacher. You go find a mentor. You go find the book that may teach you, or you go make, mm-hmm. you may find the curriculum that may teach you, you know, in some cases it's not, mm-hmm. but you can just feel into it. You can feel, it. we all know you, you walk in somewhere and you're like, Oh, this is something's going on here. Mm-hmm. Like this don't, this don't feel right. What do you do? You leave. That place is not in alignment with you. You mm-hmm. leave, but you often will go a place and like, Oh, this is cool. Like, all right, right, vibing. It's fine. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah. vibing. We good. Yeah. You're in alignment. It's, it's in the body. It's not in the head. Mm. So good. Um, I, I love hearing you speak on discipline as like a means of getting what we want, living on mm-hmm. purpose. Um, I, and just as someone who's, I just started graduate school a few weeks ago. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. It's really hard and fun talking, like speaking of discipline, right? It's, it's hard. Like it's just hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we stay motivated? How do we stay in alignment with discipline? Yeah, yeah. You just throw motivation out the window. Uh, uh you don't yes. get motivated because motivation is an emotion. Mm. And emotion is gonna come and go. Mm. And motivation is gonna help you at the beginning. That's when we're the most motivated for anything. Right. But well, as soon as you get some adversity or some conflict mm-hmm. or some pain, that motivation is gone. And so what keeps you going as the motivation does its natural ebb and flow is your routine is your is your discipline mm. is your non-negotiables mm. 
So the way that I like to approach this is I'm a calendar person. Mm-hmm. So I like put everything on my calendar. I like the electronic calendar mm-hmm. that works for me. Uh, that way it just sends a notification to my phone. Like, hey, in one hour, you need to go do this. All right, cool. Thanks. Like that works great for me. Um, when I'm at home, my home office, I use a whiteboard as well. So I'll write like a, a daily agenda. Mm. Now, for me, I'm the type of person that my routine is my discipline. My discipline is in my routine. My mm. success, everything works well when I have a routine. When mm. I, and it doesn't have to be like every single minute. I see people on podcasts, they're, they're like, oh, I got it for every minute. Like, oh, I don't like, I don't like that. Like, because every every minute doesn't need to be, at least for my life, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be that meticulous. But when I don't have my calendar, when I don't put things on the calendar, when I'm not intentional, mm-hmm. then I just wake up and I'm just like flowing and I'm just kind of airy and just like, oh, whatever happens, happens. It feels great to be like that. It feels like a, a, a freedom, but then things don't get done <laughs> the way they mm-hmm. need to get done. Totally. Then I'm behind. Then I'm like, oh, I missed this. I missed this. And I got to play catch up. Yeah. So what I've learned through trial and error for me is I have to have a schedule. I have to have discipline within the schedule. Mm-hmm. And that schedule has to be in alignment with where I'm trying to go in life. Mm. So good. Do you have any, I mean, I'm always like mm-hmm. looking for tools for, for my listeners, like specific, specific things that you do every day or five times a week or whatever that really keep you in that flow. Yeah. So every month I make, so, so it's like a bigger thing. So every quarter I make a schedule for the quarter. So I literally just did this yesterday for the rest of the year. And then every month I'll look at the schedule and I'll look at the goals and I'll look at like what is most important or what's calling me for that month. Mm. And then every Sunday I'll make my schedule for the week because things will change. You know, like if, if let's say, I, uh, what, what month are we in? What month is this? October. October. Okay. So November, when November starts, I've already got my plan set for mm. November because I just did it yesterday. Right. But let's say when we get to the second week of November, I can't just blindly follow that because the second week of November might bring me a problem that I'm not aware of today. Right. So that's why I have that check-in every Sunday. Now the check-in every Sunday, I think is the most important one because mm-hmm. it's casual. Mm-hmm. It's not like super stressful. Um, I usually do it when I'm like watching a football game, I'll just get my computer out, I'll get my notebook out. And I literally will just write what's going on for me that week. Minimum. I got to do three workouts that in three, when I say three workouts, I mean like going to the gym. Right. Right. So I, I have to do three workouts. That's good for me. Uh, the way that you can build your schedule, what I like to do is to start with your morning and your evening routine. Mm. Start there. Uh, if you don't have a morning and evening routine, you got to get one. Should we go into that part? Yeah. Do you mind? Okay. So, you know, I know this is a big deal for a lot of people. Um, morning routines, evening routines. I think what's most important is knowing like why. Mm. And, you know, I think about like, you know, I was born in the 80s. So back in the day with computers, you know, they would have to boot up. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't just come on like how they are now. Nope. You know, they, they would have to boot up. They'd make the noises. Which, yeah. 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 Do it, do it again. <laughs> yeah. You know, it takes some time. Yeah. And then, you know, after like 37 minutes, your computer will be on. It's like, okay. Yeah. I like that. Because for me, I wake up. I'm like, man, I got to wake up, stretch. I need water. I got to use the bathroom. Yeah. Water. It's like. So with the morning routine, I think what is most important is it has to be unique for you. Mm. 
Like you can't copy someone else's morning routine. It's got to be unique for you. Uh, we have different climates. We have different family situations. Uh, you, you know, we have pets. We don't have pets. Some of us have low income. high. There's so many different things um, and access points that we could talk about as far as like a morning routine. But I would break it down like this. Move your body. And that could be just going for a walk or just stretching, just putting your arms up over your head. It could be a whole yoga flow if you want. Just just move your body, hydrate and just go outside. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Huberman Lab, the podcast, mm -hmm. Dr. Andrew Huberman, he's he's really brought the data about the power of like just getting some sun on your body and mm -hmm. in your eye in the morning for your circadian rhythm so you can sleep on time. So just move your body, stretch, hydrate get outside that can all be done in five minutes mm -hmm. it can all be done in an hour it's it's your life just be just don't wake up get in a car and go to work right away right like spend some time on you spend some energy on you before you go give your best energy to anyone else mm -hmm. okay and then for night routine a lot of people now are they're scrolling social media at night they're looking at netflix on the tv and we have the, you know the blue lights are on the blue light is like this artificial light that mimics the sun. And so our body is thinking that the sun is always up. Mm. And then people are like, oh, well, I'm stressed out and I'm depressed. It's like, well, you don't sleep. You don't sleep. Yeah. You have to sleep. That's how you recover. Mm. You have to go to bed. You can't be up three, four in the morning and then I'm up at six. You cannot do that. You have to sleep. So the purpose of the night routine is to completely uh decompress your body mm. all right um mm -hmm. from there um people talk about the power of magnesium as it you know it helps you decompress um people talk about like valerian root and tea that oh, nice. that helps you sleep um i interviewed um dr amy shaw she's a doctor who talks about um i could connect you with her too she talks about um she talks about fasting she talks about the circadian rhythm mm. and at the time i was taking like 20 milligrams of, of melatonin at night to go to sleep. And I mean, I was like straight to sleep. Yeah. So I asked her about that. She was like, yeah, stop doing that. Like she, <laughs> she told it and she like, stop doing that. And I'm like, why? She's like, well, she's like, you know, your body naturally makes melatonin, but you have to put your body in a state to make the melatonin. So it needs to get dark. You need to get off your phone. You need to get off the computer and your brain will produce the melatonin for you. Mm. I'm like, oh, like, this is why we need smart doctors like you who share this information with us. Yes. So then I, I got off melatonin. And uh, what else? Uh, so another thing I recommend, too, is not having, like, these emotionally, strongly charged conversations at night. Like, you need peace. Yes. Like, it, it, if you're going to bed at 9 and it's 8.30, you don't need to be on Twitter arguing with somebody about something that has nothing to do with you. You probably don't need to be arguing arguing on Twitter you anyway. Get, like you, you don't need to be doing that because you're not going to go to sleep. Right. Even like you know, I've mentioned I'm a sports fan. Like, if my team is playing late at night, I might not watch because mm -hmm. they're going to stress me out. They're yeah. going to lose. They're going to do something stupid. I'm going to be mad, and I can't go to sleep. Uh, then I need you know. So be yeah. mindful of having like emotion, like deep emotions at night. Now. I'm guilty as charged because I love watching horror movies before I go to bed. I don't know why, but it like it's something that I love <laughs> doing. Like I can watch a whole horror movie, be scared out of my mind, and then just go straight to sleep after. Oh my! You and Alex need to talk. He makes horror movies. I mean, he does. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's like 
But I'm like, I get mad though because I'm like, would you go in there? Don't go in, you know. Like, I, I get into don't go there. I just, you know. So I do too. I, I love, love, love horror movies. Uh, horror movies, um, uh, thrillers. Yeah, like just the movies that stress people out. I yeah. love those for some reason. I don't know why. And I love them before bed. Like they help me go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, I don't have nightmares. I okay. sleep all the way through the night. That's like my. I, you know, it's like my guilty pleasure that I gotta mention. I love it. Okay, so that's I the love it. so morning routine, evening routine. Um, cool. So you got that set. I do. All right. So good. Now here's the thing that I didn't say about the evening routine. Your evening routine should lead into your bedtime. Mm. How many of us as adults don't have bedtimes? You you know why you had a bedtime when you're a kid? Well, one because your parents knew you needed to sleep, but yeah. two they got sick of you because you were up all day. They needed some time to themselves. Yes. So go to bed. Like we right. gotta have a bedtime. Yeah. So the way I like to look at it is having a specific time, like nine thirty. Right. That feels a little rigid for me, and that doesn't give me space. So I like to have a range. So it's nine to ten. Great. During the week, and then on the weekends, it's whatever. Cause I go out to dinners. Yeah. I'll go out dancing. I, I'll you know whatever. I'll go to a, a basketball game. Yeah. But like pretty much Sunday through Thursday, I like to have that nine to ten. And that's like my guideline. I can get in bed as early as nine. When my calendar alert goes off at 10, now I know like, all right, it's 10 o'clock. I'm yep. up working on my book. I'm up looking at YouTube. It, it's time to shut this down. Yep. You know? So I think that sets you up. You have a morning and an evening. And that's serving you. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we're talking about connection earlier. Mm-hmm. One of the best ways to connect with other people is to be connected with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that yeah. morning and that night routine will get you right. Whether it's one hour, one hour, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. If you got kids, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Just the intentionality behind it and the energy behind it is what is most necessary. It's huge. Okay. Now, middle of the day. This depends on the type of vocation you have. You know, some people uh, work like a nine to five schedule. Some people are entrepreneurs. Some people do shift work where they're working like later. Mm-hmm. What, I would, what I would recommend is just knowing, regardless of what your schedule is, it's just knowing the energy that energy levels you experience. You know, some people super creative in the morning. My one of my best friends, he like he wakes up and he just hates everything. He hates everyone. He hates everything. Yep. So he does all his creative work, you know, more in the afternoon. You know, I wake up and I'm I'm great. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm energetic. I'm ready to go. Same. And then by like two o'clock, I don't want to talk to people. I'm just like, hey, leave me alone. You know, so. <laughs> I knew we resonated. Yeah. Same. You gotta just you just gotta like know yourself and then that can help you plan your work. Now mm-hmm. here's the other thing. <clears throat> While we're on the subject of like schedule, it's like some people are doing a job just because it pays the bills. And we have all been there, and I'm never about to be one of those like entrepreneurs who's gonna shame it. That's silly. I hate when people do that. Like my invitation is. Try your best to to do things you like to do and not just job wise, just in life. Like, why would I wake up to do a bunch of things I don't want to do? Yes, there are elements of every job where it's things you have to do that you probably hate to get to where you want to be inside the job you love. Sure. Like, why would I choose like a relationship I don't like, friends I don't like, living in a place I don't like, a job I don't like? I, I like my outfit, but an outfit I don't like, you know, like. Why would we wake up and just choose what we don't like right. over and over and over? 
you know, so try your best to like, you know what, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about self-worth. Go right out of way. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to spend my time. Mm-hmm. So this is the type of job I need to align myself with. Yeah. This is the type of career I need to align myself with. Then scheduling and all that, it gets so easy because you're, for the most part, you're just doing things you like mm-hmm. all day. And that's the ideal. That's the ideal that when I was in my 20s, I'm like, you know, I want to just do what I want to do. Yep. I don't want to be doing all this BS that doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how like I will build my days. And that's what I would recommend for, for anyone. So good. Yeah. Um, you were talking about like aligning with a job that you love. What if people don't know what their purpose is? Like if they don't even really know what they want to do, what, ma- what does make them feel good? Like, what, are the, what do you say? To them? If you don't know what your purpose is, then your purpose is curiosity. You, it's that simple. It's time to get curious. It's time to read random books, book a trip to Italy, go to Florida, buy a bike, uh, sign up for a marathon, do a 5K, go to a cooking class, start working on a book, record yourself singing, post it online. Mm-hmm. Like It's time to just be curious. Yeah. If you don't know what, let's, let's call it a pocket. If you don't know what your pocket is, it's just time to be curious. Wow. So it's so, it's like all the truths are the simple truths. Like they're so good. I think about clients I've had, like coaching clients who are like, I don't really know what I want to do, or I don't even know what my sexuality is, or I don't know. It's like, okay, well then you're curious. Just be mm-hmm. curious with all of it. What do we, what's the next step after curiosity? Action. Because we know we'll be like, oh, well, I'm going to do this thing. And then you don't do it. You right. Take some action. Right. Like, do the thing. Okay, you signed up for the cooking class. Did you go? Go. Right. Go. And then you just listen. You know, uh, what we'll do a lot of the time, though, is we'll try things and then we instantly judge it. You don't mm. have to judge it. You don't have to grade it. Just experience it. Mm. Just be with the experience. You know, yeah, I went to the apple orchard. Baked a bunch of apples. That was cool. Mm. It doesn't have to be like, oh, it was hot outside and there was bugs. I'm never going to the farm again. Like, right. Just be with the experience. Yeah. And that's, and it comes back to that presence that we were talking about too, like mm-hmm. the cultivation of awareness. Like, we're not just sitting here on our phones having a conversation. Like, we're present for the conversation. Mm-hmm. If you're out at an apple orchard, don't be checked out. Like, yeah, check be in, be yeah. there fully. Um, I would love to talk a little bit more about care package, mm-hmm. harnessing the power of self-compassion to heal and thrive. First of all, everyone, let me just give you a little of this action. <laughs> Don't even. Um, who is this book for? Oh, that's a good question. I would say that book is an assistant for anyone who is on a healing journey. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. And how much of your healing journey, I mean, I read the book, so I'm going to just let you spell on this, just how much of your healing journey is in this? And is there a particular moment in the book that really altered you? Mm. A moment that really, like, really shifted you? I would say how much of me is in there? Probably 1%. Hmm. And I think any author knows what would relate to that, you know, because there's just so many things you want to say or you want to write about um, or you want to express in your stories. Um, and it's like you have this whole world, but you have to distill it down to 
principles, stories, and ideas that are digestible, relatable, um, clear, and concise. So probably 1%. I think that's the, I think that's the art of writing or, you know, making movies or making any type of art. Mm. It's like you take this whole conglomerate and it's like, okay, let me give you this. This is the best part of it. So yeah, I would say 1% of the journey is in there. That feels, that feels good. Mm. Um, as far as the book, I mean, the whole thing, like there isn't one thing. It's like the whole journey. It's like, there's a chapter on guilt. There's a chapter on people pleasing. There's a chapter on invitation to just keep loving you know to keep love in your life there's a chapter on letting go there's just mm. it, it all it all resonates with me like mm. it's all it's all topics like i love talking about let's let's hone in on people pleasing okay and why that's a important for you to share and be like if people resonate and they're like oh yeah i'm a total chameleon i get with this person and i'm like that and i see you know what would you say to them um so yeah, people pleasing in my journey, uh, it was a consequence of having alcoholic parents. That's mm-hmm. something that we do to cope mm-hmm. with having alcoholic parents. Uh, you you find strategies to uh, please the caregivers around you in order to get love, to get attention, and in some people's situations to get like food, water, to get taken care of, right? right. And so people pleasing often happens as a like as a consequence. Um, you know, of, of substance abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, or other types of abuses. Um, and so we do it to cope. Mm-hmm. It's a strategy to survive. And then what happens is, uh, you know, you'll grow up and you continue to people pleasing. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to come early to work. You're going to stay late. You're going to do extra work, extra work. You'll do it in your relationship. Uh, you'll never say no. You just say yes, everything, even when you want to say no, you'll give money when you don't have the money. You, you just give, 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 give. And, well, the first thing that you need to do is just enter a no phase. That's what I like to call it. It's like a no phase. The no phase is usually you're saying no to everything. Mm-hmm. And at first, that's going to cause anxiety. That's going to cause stress. Like, what do you mean say no to everything? I'm used to saying yes. To, I know saying yes to everything is extreme. So now I want you yeah. to experience the other extreme of saying no. Yeah. And it actually is liberating. When you have a lifetime of saying yes to things that you don't want to say yes to. Yeah. When you just spend one weekend, you're like, hey, can you? No. Nope. 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 Not doing that. Mm -mm. And it gives you a sense of power. Like, hey, tip me 25%. Nope. Answer my phone call. Nope. Nope. Hey, are you available for this email? No. Mm -mm. You know, you're just like, I can say no. You're like, like, a weekend of that, a week of that. You get this evidence that, like, you can say no. And guess what? The world moves on. It does. Because when you are people pleasing, you think if you say no, that everything is going to crash. You have to be there for the emergency. You got to be there to save someone. Yeah, and that's not true. None of that is true. Mm. Another thing that I believe, I don't know if I wrote this in that book, but I believe that mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe that people need to suffer. Mm. They do. Now, let me let me clarify that someone's going to be like, "Wait, people need to suffer?" Yeah, they do. <laughs> let me explain. I have to go to work. I'm making this up. I have to go to work at eight. You have to go to work at eight. All right. In order for me to go to work, I got to get in my car and, and put gas in my car. In order for you to go to work, you got to get in your car and put gas in your car. All right. We both leave at 720. Well, I leave at 720. Okay. Uh, you do the thing where you don't leave till about 740. Oh, okay. Trouble. So you're often late. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
I do the thing where I get gas at night or every Sunday when yeah. I'm planning my week, I get gas every Sunday. Mm-hmm. You do the thing where you get gas when you're on it, mm-hmm. whenever that may be. Mm-hmm. So those two people approach the same thing differently. One person, the person who leaves in time, the person who is strategic about when they get gas, they're probably never going to be late to work. But then that other person, they're going to be late to work. They're going to run out of gas. They're, they might not have gas money. They might be trying to get gas in the morning after leaving late for work to try to be on time. Yep. And those type of people are the people that we end up people pleasing. So I did my work. Mm-hmm. I left on time. I got my gas when I needed to. Yep. And now here you are like, hey, can you take me to the gas station real quick? You know, it's 725. Right. I can't take you because then I'll be late. No, no, I just I just need you to know guilt you. Oh, I just need you to take me because I didn't get to do it yesterday because I had to do. Right. All right. So I'm going to give you the phrase. No, I'm going to give you a quick story and then I'm going to give you the phrase and it changed my life. I'm working at Verizon. This is 2011. And I was person B. I was the person that's like, oh, I'll just leave late. I did, did, did. Mm-hmm. If you work a job and you want time off, you have to request a time off. That's every job. Sure. That's every job. So my manager at the time, she wanted, I believe she wanted two weeks, which is ample time because she has to make the schedule. She has to make sure there's coverage. Yep. She has to run the business. I've been there long enough to know that she needs two weeks. Yep. So here I come into her office like, I think I was trying to hang out with a girl on Friday. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to take this girl to, to dinner. And I'm like, hey, uh, my manager's name is Jen. I'm like, Jen, I'm trying to take so-and-so to dinner on Friday. It's like a Monday. I'm like, I need, I need to be off Friday. Like, come on, we got to, you know, like, like, we got to make this work. Jen didn't even care. Right. She's like doing whatever she's doing on her emails or her calls. Yeah. And she's like, Sylvester, your lack of planning is not my emergency. Right. Whoa. Broke my heart. Just ripped Whoa. my little heart in half. But then I'm like, wow, I like that. I do too. I like that. I did a lot. Like she didn't know that she, even though she told me no, she didn't realize she gave me so much freedom by mm. hearing that. Like, you're right, Jen. I didn't plan. Mm. I knew you needed two weeks. I knew I wasn't going to get this Friday off. Here I am giving you this story about this girl I want to take out. It doesn't matter. That's none of her business. Mm-mm. She's already set the boundaries. Two weeks. I'm here. I am five days. Not going to happen. Your lack of planning is not no. my emergency. And that right there, I suffered that Friday. Because yep. I had this girl I wanted to take out. Couldn't take her out because I'm working. No. I suffered. Yep, and did. that's why I say, like, I think people need to suffer because it's through the suffering that you find a way. Yeah. Because now I know, okay, cool. I need to plan my dates better. I need to be more intentional about, okay, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever. And that was just that situation. Yeah. Hey, can you take me to get the gas? It's 725. Your lack of planning is not my emergency. Now you're late to work. Yeah. I'm not late to work. I'm (laughs) leaving my job. I got to get to my job on time. I can't let you jeopardize my job. Now you're late to work. You're dealing. Maybe you get written up. Maybe your boss is like, hey, you're late every Monday. What's going on? You have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. We do, so, we, we, as a people pleaser, what we do is we take other people away from their consequences. And people need to deal with the consequences of their actions. Mm-hmm. That's the only way we mature. Mm-hmm. You know who, who, who 
matter of fact, I have a son. I have a kid. One of the things I teach my kid is to be responsible for yourself mm -hmm. to his level of understanding. Mm -hmm. I don't put anything on him that he can't understand. If I remove his responsibilities, if I remove the consequences, what type of human being does he become? Right. He becomes a narcissistic kid, a adult who just takes, takes, takes. Right. Does anybody like those types of people? Really not. I don't. I don't either. So you need to be responsible for yourself. And the only way you can be responsible for yourself is if you deal with your consequences. Right. That's the only way. So as a people pleaser, we have to understand that we're doing people a disservice for their journey. Right. We're like, oh, let me save you. No, stop. Don't do that. <laughs> we're like, let me save you. You're not Superman. Uh -uh. You're not Wonder Woman. You're just you. Right. So phrases that can help you. Yes. Break it down. I can't do it. I don't have it. No, thank you. I'm unable to help. No. Complete sentence. If you want, if you want, like, uh, the one that I use the most often is like, I can't do that, but I can do this. That's nice. People like to hear that. Like, oh, well, you can't do nothing. Uh, I can't do that, but I can do this. Right. Oh, that's I can't I can't let you borrow my car to go to another state, but I can I can get you an airplane ticket. I can right. do that. Right. You know, I can't do that, but I can do this. That mm. kind of gives you the leeway. That gives you like the power in the relationship too. not necessarily the relationship, but in the situation. Yeah. It kind of gives you the power instead of feeling like powerless. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't help you with that, but I can I can do this. I got you on that. That's so good. Um, well, I know you talk also in your book about boundaries. And I feel like these this goes so hand in hand. Can you break down boundaries for us? Yeah. And how, I mean, I know I certainly have struggled. So I would I would love some I'd love some wisdom. Yeah. So <laughs> be more specific. Boundaries where are there boundaries, boundaries within with family, with partners, with work, with Let's go family. Um, I, I think it was Ram Dass who said, if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your family. <laughs> and it's like it's just hard. They're just hard to practice with. Yeah. The thing with family is they don't, as adults, they, they don't often see us in our adult form. They don't right. often see the work that we've done. They don't often see our growth because they were with us when we were kids. Right. So they, you know, they changed our diapers. They saw us when we pissed ourselves. They saw mm -hmm. us when we, our teeth fell out. You know, they saw yeah. us when we were brownies all over our face. Like they saw us, family sees you in like the most vulnerable life. Yeah. Right. So it's like if we try to go to them and we're like, oh, we're this complete product now. Like I've I've done work on myself and I've prayed, I've meditated. Like right. They're like, so what? I saw you when you pissed yourself. Right. Right. You know, like they're not going to let I that go. Care. <laughs> like, I don't care. Right. And so there's like this duality where it's like, OK, with family, these are the people who have seen us in the most raw. They've probably seen the most emotions out of us. They've seen the most of our journey. But then there is also this other side where like, hey. I'm not who I was when I was eight or 18 or 12 or like that version of me that you knew is not who I am now. Sure. I may have some of the same personality, but I'm a different person. Right. And so there's this duality that some people can hold and some can't. Mm -hmm. uh, but what the family can hold is none of your business. Mm -hmm. It's not my business what they can hold. Mm -hmm. This is who I am today. Like, I remember when I was 21, like, I was the shot guy. Mm. Like, I'm going to the club with you. I'm going to the bar with you. When we walk in, I'm getting shots for everybody. I'm the shot guy. Like, when you see me, I'm getting shots. Right. Now, I'm not getting nobody shot. Right. I mean, unless I like you, you know, unless you, like, you know, my in my core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, 
you know, I was known as the shot guy. I'm not wow. the shot guy now. Yeah. So it's like, y'all can't hold me to that. I've grown out of that. Right. I'm, I used to pee in the bed till I was 13. Right. I'm, I don't pee in the bed. Right. You can't hold me to that, like, kid that was peeing in the bed. Of That's course. not who I am. Mm-hmm. People, people who were a uh, teenager and they were, like, let's say they were chubby. Mm-hmm. And they grew up to be the adult that's like lean and in the CrossFit or yoga or they take care of themselves. Right. The family still talks to them like they're that pudgy kid. Totally. They still tease them. I've seen that. You know, and it's like, no. So what we have to understand is that our family oftentimes does not have the capacity to really honor and cherish who we are. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. And what I've learned to do in life and I will ask anyone to do is when you can understand a person's capacity, you accept them there. You don't try to change them. Example, I was a football player. I remember when I told specific people in my family, yeah, football is cool, but what I really want to do is I really want to write books about the human condition, about the human experience. Mm. The exact response is, you're a football player. What do you know about being a human being? See how they put you in that box? Wow. They put you in that box because wow. I'm just a jock at that time. Right. They see me and they're like, oh, you need to go to the NFL. That's your dream for me. That's not my dream. Right. My dream is to write books. I love playing football for now, but I want to write books. Yep. That's what I'm, where I'm gearing my life to get towards. And so when people, so let's, let's go here. Let's say you are that, that football player. Like you're in that part of it and you see yourself trying to go somewhere. Or you are that pudgy kid and you're trying to become lean or whatever it is. And they're not supporter they're not seeing it you can't you can't expect you know a blind person to have the vision that you have if you can see hey i'm going to be an author like that book that's in front this interview that we're doing i saw this happening when i was a football player right and when i shared it with people they they couldn't see it right i can't be mad at them that they can't see it. i can't try to change them either right I have to hold the vision. I have to hold the confidence. Like, hey, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you want to do in life, there will be resistance. Mm. And it will be family. And so the boundary with them is you don't try to change them. The boundary with them is you stay disciplined and you stay focused and you stay on the path. Mm. Because a lot of the times, and I promise you, whoever is hearing this, this message, there's something that like, needs to be ignited or something that needs to be done or committed to your family can't do it right they're here to witness you do it right you have to do it it doesn't matter if they approve mm. they don't have the capacity to right it doesn't matter if they understand they don't have the capacity to mm. so you got to just say hey i'm, I'm going to do this and then have compassion for yourself on the journey and just have understanding for them mm. you don't have to be mad at them you don't have to have anger at them you don't have to scream at them and say support me believe in me you don't right. they cannot right give it six seven years they'll believe in you when you have the proof right when i was working on my third or first book then they were like oh okay so you were pretty serious about this yeah I was, I, was, I was very serious yeah i think so yeah the hay house pretty uh, yeah yeah of course like only the biggest yeah. publisher in the self-help space period um Amazing. Amazing. Well, so many things just came forward for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it's not personal mm-hmm. too, right? Like our parents or our siblings, like you said, 
like they see us how they see us because they saw us like that forever. So when they can't get behind whatever it is that we're doing, whether that's a career choice, whether that's a a partnership, whether that's a whatever, obviously we don't want to like, hopefully if we're in an unsafe partnership or something like that, hopefully they do say something, but, but like, it's not, it's just not personal when, when they can't see us either. So like, like you said, like, why be mad at them when they're just, their lens is just a little different. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I'd love to hear from you why you think we're here like why we're having this human experience what is it for oh let's go we need some drums or something yeah. for that i don't know i may or may not have some anyway <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think about that often like what is the purpose of life mm-hmm. i don't know mm. i don't even care to know mm-hmm. cool i'm here i'm about to make the best of it mm-hmm. that's how i look at it like are we in assimilation? Are we inside of a little marble? Like in two cats are kicking it around inside right. of a bigger galaxy. Where does the galaxy end? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm not about to waste my brain power trying to figure it out. Like in life, there is mystery. Mm-hmm. There's things that we're not meant to understand. There's things that we're not meant to prove. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and I'm okay with that. I don't need to know. So when it comes to like purpose while we're here, that changes. Mm-hmm. That ch- today, why I'm here is to 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 vibe with you, to to have this conversation, to to think, to share ideas. Tomorrow is to watch my fantasy football team lose. Monday <laughs> is to work on my book and go to the gym. You know, in a month I'll be in Peru. You know, it's like it changes the 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 purpose, the why we're here. It all changes. It's all, it's like a big wave, you know? Mm, Beautiful. If you could wave a magic wand and instill something Mm. in everyone that you encounter or just, just everyone. Yeah. What would you instill? Mm. (laughs) I feel like, like a a evil dictator. (laughs) Everybody. We're going to do this. Um, What would I do? I would just give everybody maybe 1% more confidence. Mm. It's just just 1% more. It it, it would be interesting to see. I have an assumption, um, and the assumption just comes from my experience listening to people and just traveling. I just feel like a lot of people lack confidence. They don't believe in themselves. There's a lot of fear. And a lot of anxiety just about like the normal human experience. Mm-hmm. And so I would just give people like 1% more confidence to just say like, there's a guitar over there. Like mm-hmm. pick up the guitar and sing, like go ask the girl out. Mm-hmm. You want to be a chef, make the, make the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. You like just a little bit more confident to just try. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think we get too bent up on like the end results, like what will happen what will people say? What if I fail? You will fail. Right. People will say stuff, but who cares? Right. Just go for it. That leads me into thinking about the finite quality of our human experience. You and I mm-hmm. both lost a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've 
for me in my experience, like nothing really woke me up like my mother, my mother leaving. And you're talking about people having more confidence to like do the thing, like do the thing. Um, I'd love to hear any just experience you've had in integrating the passing of your father um, and what that really taught you about how to live. Yeah. I mean, I think about this quote he said to me all the time. He's like, you know, you don't understand why I'm telling you what I'm telling you, but you know, <laughs> one day you'll have your own little son or daughter and everything is going to make sense. I think he was trying to give me a clean up or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. no, I'm going to play video games. And, you know, you, it's like when a parent passes away and maybe just anybody you're, you're close to, uh, the relationship doesn't end. It mm-hmm. evolves. Mm-hmm. It evolves. There's been so many, my dad passed in 2014 and there's been so many times where I've been like, man, he was right. You know, like he knew, he knew what he was talking about. And of yeah. course, when you're younger, you're like, you know, it's like a uh, little country, big country. I'm like the little country. And I'm like, this big country don't know what they're talking about. Right. But now I'm like, man, he knew what he was talking about. You know, <laughs> like that me. dude, he was, he, he knew. Yeah. So I, I feel like since he's passed, I've gotten a lot more, I guess, just respect for him. Um, and then I would say um, <laughs> I've tried to, you know, because you become your parents, too. Of course. Right. And so I've tried to be mindful of like what I've taken from him that I like and then what I've taken from him that I don't like. It's huge. And some of the things that you don't like are like subconscious. Like you don't even necessarily notice them. Right. You don't even notice. You know, and I caught myself the other day and I was I was telling my son, like I was telling him, don't do something. But he was like jumping on the couch and I'm like, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. And then, like, I, re- I recall this memory of me jumping on something and my dad being like, hey, don't do that. Wow. And, like, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like, why am I telling him? Like, what is the real reason I'm telling him not to do this? Like, the couch I've had for, like, five years. Right. He's, he's pissed on it. He's, <laughs> like, he's, yeah. like, it's not even, like, a nice, sexy couch. Anymore. Right, right. It's just disgusting. So I'm just like. He, my son has completely ruined this couch anyways. Like, I need to get a new one. So yeah. I'm like, I was like, hey, you know what? Get back on the couch. And he was like confused. He's like, what do you mean, daddy? I'm like, get on the couch. I'm like, what are you about to do? You about to jump off? I'm like, let me get you some pillows. So I, I go get some pillows and make like a landing pad. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Do right. your thing. And he's like, okay. And he's like dumping off and he's doing all this stuff. And it was like, he doesn't know what happened. But like, I had this conversation with myself. Right. And I had this like memory of a conversation with my dad and my dad was like, but see, my dad had nice couches. He had really nice couches my whole life. So I get why he didn't want me playing on his couches like that. Yeah. This couch, my son is completely ruined. So now here's what's going to happen. I'm going to let him do this, do this couch thing for the rest of the year. Yep. And then when I get a new couch next year, I'm probably going to be like, hey, get off my couch. Exactly. No, we've got to get him a trampoline or something. You know, just like. Yeah, if I'm smart, I'll keep that couch and move that couch somewhere else. There you go. And that's like his play couch. Oh, that's perfect. I like that. I like that. (laughs) It's so good. And it's so true. I find myself doing it all the time. I find myself sounding exactly like my mother, like even my hand, like this hand gesture that I'm doing now. I'm like, God, she would do that exact thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, 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 it widens the scope of compassion Mm -hmm. 
for at least for me and my experience with my mother, I'm like, yeah. God, I really get why she did what she did. Yeah. I really get it. Another thing you use the word compassion and like, yeah, it makes me think of like reverence, love, mm-hmm. you know, like my dad, he would, he had a, a yellow, um, uh, like notepad mm-hmm. in that, like that was his journal. He was left-handed. And so he would just write like every morning he would write, you know, what the day was going to be. He would write a schedule. Here I am. Like I do the same thing. Yeah. I get my notebook out. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm right-handed. I'll write what I need to do. I'm like, I got that from him. Wow. You know, I got that from him. Me being a, a teacher, a share, a writer, like it, it's because that's who he was, right. you know? So, you know, I was telling my brother that it's like, we can't, even if we don't like some of the decisions that our, our parents made, like we can't hold hate for them right. because you are them. Yeah, you're your own person too, but so much of who you are is your parents. Yeah. So you have to find some type of reverence and love for them, mm-hmm. even through uh, the pain and the adversity that you may have experienced with them. Wow. Yes. I mean, we all come from parents. May we all take a note out of that book. Um, what else do we need to know? especially when can we get this? Oh, that's out. This is out? Yeah. Thank God. Okay, good. So everyone needs to get their hands on this ASAP. Um, And frankly, everything this man has written, if you don't follow him on Instagram, do yourself a solid and get on that ASAP as well. Um, You're constantly putting out words that are like poetry in motion. Um, and constantly giving us so many gifts. So just thank you for everything that you have provided um, to your community, to my community, to the universal life community, to everything. Um, Just before we wrap up, what are you most grateful for? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, man, there's just so much. There's just so much. Like I have so much good going on. how much time you got? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm just like, I'm in a good place. Like I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm feeling health, healthy. I'm feeling motivated, feeling strong. I feel happy. Uh, you know, happiness comes and goes, but for the most part, I feel happy. Um, I have a lot to laugh about. You know, I have a, I have a hard job, but it's like simple. It feels easy, even though it's hard. I don't know if people get that duality. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have my youth and my vitality. Uh, my braids look good, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just, there's just so much good going on. The things that I could complain about are not even like real things that are uh, important, you know? So when your complaints are like not that big of a deal, it's like your life is great. Mm-hmm. My complaints are not real. So yeah, I'm grateful for everything for a lot. Wow. The complaints. I'm sorry. I know I just said we were wrapping it up, but now I have to ask about complaining. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. Just, you know, when you came in, you were talking to me about a friend of yours. Um, You were like, don't complain because the fantasy football. Um, Complaining has such an interesting vibration. It's like the opposite of gratitude. Talk to me about where that lives in you, how that lives in you. What's your relationship to it? We got to stop complaining. It is... It is the energy that repels, mm. the, the energy that repels. We need to be conscious uh, attractors mm-hmm. and creators of our experience. And when you're complaining, the easiest thing to do is to complain to someone who likes to complain, because then you both will just complain. Right. 
and then you're validating each other. Yeah. Like you right, they do suck. Like those yeah. stupid those people don't know what they're talking about, right? Right. Uh but when you get done complaining, come out of your complaint spiral and you'll see that absolutely nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is you've experienced anger, you're you're mad, you might be hostile, you might be uh <laughs> looking for revenge. Mm-hmm. Like nothing actually comes from it. But you know, yeah, sure, there's there's times that we do need to vent. And we do need to share what's going on. That's completely different. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about just the act of like complaining and l- looking for connection through complaining. I'm not, I'm not with that. It's such a false sense of intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's so fake. It's like, oh, well, we're over here complaining about that thing over there. So we're mm-hmm. cool. And they're not. Right. Like it's, it's such a right. no for me. Yeah. And it's like, again, we're all going to vent. We all got things to get off our chest. Of course. Sure. But just the energy of it, like that's just what I try to be mindful of. Like, yeah. Am I really about to just complain about this? That's how I'm about to spend my time. What happens when I finish? Right. I'm either in the same place or worse off. Mm. So that's why I try, try my best just to look for solutions. Now, there is something to be said about acknowledgement. You know, sure. if, if you identify a problem or issue or conflict and you acknowledge it, I have no issues with that. Right. But it's just the ongoing, ongoing, ongoing complaint. Mm. That, that's the problem. Yeah. Yes. Well, my darling, I have no complaints <laughs> about you being here, about your beautiful wisdom, yeah. about this book. Um, just thank you for coming on the show and spending time. Yes. Thank just you. So grateful. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, amazing.